So I'm just sharing for the first 10 minutes and then we're going to have the panel. And there's a couple of things that I just really want to share on or answer because, you know, when you start looking at absolutes, and we're going to look at an absolute tonight, absolutes test things. And they test things for the purpose of life. Because God wants us an absolute life. He doesn't want us in any, anything else but the life he has for us. So he tests his own work in us so we can know where we're truly at. He also tests stuff that's not of him so we can see where we're truly at. But absolutes, if we're not careful, can create fear. Because all of a sudden, a reality that we don't necessarily think we're in comes to light. And then we start asking questions, and it's good, and it's healthy, but it must be appropriated a healthy way, otherwise it takes you down a dark way. A little bit like this morning, it was fine. I love the fact that that guy was asking what he was asking. And if we're afraid for people to ask those questions, then we need to test our own foundation. So we have to be so free and know and be in absolute conviction so nothing can shake or rock us because we're in and growing in the reality of what is absolutely true. And this is full of absolutes. You can't read a page without seeing at least one absolute on every page. And so tonight, what I want to look at primarily, but I'm going to put four passages up there, is Luke 20. 17 18 that talks about being fallen on the rock and being broken to pieces and people ask me two questions when we talk about this they say what is it that gets broken and is it a continuous process have you asked yourself those questions so we're going to answer those questions tonight so you can know without any doubt you have the answer to those questions so you can move forward and move into all he has for you so first question and then we'll get to these other passages, is what is it that actually gets broken into pieces? It's your will. So when you fall on the rock and get broken to pieces, it's your will that smashes, which is the driver of your life to stay in control of your life, that wants to dictate and determine everything about your life and how you interpret him. And his truth. It wants to define it all and it wants to stay in control. So, what falls upon the rock and gets broken to pieces is your will, which is full of pride, which is what we are all born with the day we are conceived. You can't say you're not, you are. It's why you fall out of and are demonic in nature, and that's why he has to come because you are completely separated from the Creator. The good news is, is before you were physically born, you were actually in Christ. So what you're trying to do is actually, through His powers, get back to the reality that you were before you even breathed a breath, because you were predestined in Christ before mankind even existed. But you don't start like that. You start out of design completely full of pride and not interested in God. And I don't care if you've been brought up in a Christian home. 
and gone through teaching, you're not interested in God until God actually comes along and shakes you up and messes with your will and goes, it's time to break something that's had a stronghold on you your entire life. It's a strong man. And strong men need to be taken out by someone stronger than them. And that's not human willpower, strength, good ideas, thoughts, meditation on this and that, declaration. It's on power of another man who's called Jesus Christ. So what gets broken into pieces is your will. Your soul is your what? Mind, will, and emotion. It's funny where the will is situated in that statement. In the middle. Your mind, will, emotion. Do you know your will determines your thoughts? Your will determines how you're going to feel. It determines how you receive the way of heaven. So it has to be completely demolished so God can renew your mind. And he can actually start to shape his truth in you because your will no longer exists. So then we ask the next question, is it a one-off thing? Well, it depends on how far you have fallen from and been broken into pieces. So if you were here two weeks ago when Sam did his analogy of the glass, perfect analogy, bro, to bring in a glass that had been chipped, a little bit cracked, but still functional to holding water. If you weren't here, Levi, I presume, had dropped a glass. It had broken or cracked it to a measure but you could still pour water into it, not to the same as the full one, the new one he brought in, but you could still pour water. It still existed in its form. And you could actually still use it as a glass because it was cracked, chipped, but it hadn't been shattered. So it was actually still usable. It still could be used in its form. Then he went over there, got up high, dropped a brand new glass, and it went smash. So it depends on the height you have fallen from, your will, and depends whether you've been smashed into pieces or dented, cracked, chipped, bruised. If you haven't yet fallen and broken into pieces and you've been dented, cracked, chipped, then you're on the way to brokenness. And that's cool too. None of this is right or wrong. But your will still is going to determine how you hear things. Your will, a dented will, will still go, well, I'm not dead, so I'm living. Nah, don't agree with that. Nah, don't believe that. Nah. You can even say yes to things, mentally agree with stuff, but they're not able to live them out. Because actually there's someone still in here that hasn't been put into pieces that no longer exists. When Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ, I no longer live. He's saying, this experience I had, a sword called Jesus Christ, not words, but a person came thrusting into me and I stopped living, meaning my will. The man's mind still needed to be renewed. He didn't want to live from his feelings. And this is not about sin. It's about actually faith. Because he said, there's still things that I do, even though my will is destroyed. 
It's my resistance to letting God be God in your life and giving complete surrender and relinquishing every aspect of your life over to him. Every aspect of your life. You no longer are defining because your will has been shattered, never to be put back together again. And just like what happened in the analogy of Sam, he has to go get a brand new glass. So who gives you a brand new will? The one who wants you to do his will. See, it's a brand new creation. So as we get smashed into pieces, we may be on the process to that, and that's why the Word of God does the work. But once again, the challenge is, is that while your will is living, it's determining how you're hearing. It's going, nah, it's so tricky, it can be working in you and you don't even know. Now, I'll just say this out of love. I've taught, don't try to understand in your mind, have I not? And then I've watched people try to understand in my mind as soon as I've spoken. Why is that? If we know the mind is not the place to understand the spiritual word of God, then why do we still try? Because we're unaware we're even doing it. And that does not produce the life of what is being spoken. And I've watched it literally happen, and it'll be happening right now, if the will still exists. Because the will is so powerful, because it's from the demonic. See? So he has to give you a brand new will, a brand new nature through power. It's something you experience. It's not something you understand. It's not something you figure out. It's something that happens to you, and now you have knowledge. Knowledge in God can't be acquired through the mind. It's experience. It's experiential. It's an experience that produces knowledge. Tracking? So now you know something, not because you tried to figure it out, hey, Mark, but because actually you had an encounter with God. And you have a substance in you now that destroys you to live for you, and now you have a capacity to live different. It's beautiful. And so I hope I've just answered those two questions. It's a process if you've cracked, chipped, bruised, and God wants to do a greater, deeper word in you through His Word. Because His Word is the thing that changes us. And it's not this. We don't go now going, okay, now ask me, show me the things that I need to die on. It's this. I know you love me. You say that you reveal the things that are in the darkness. So I'm going to just seek you. And I'm going to spend time with you because you're the teacher. You're the lover. You're my healer. You're my provision. You're my everything. And there are things there you're going to show me out of love because you want me in the fullness of the life you died for. So we live from the sense of being content in where we're at because we know we're His. But see, if we don't know this, we struggle with this and now it all becomes a performance and now we're in fear. Oh, what am I not? What am I not? What am I not? What am I? And all of a sudden this striving starts to occur to try to enter into something the way it needs to be broken. So you have to know you're loved and you have to know that you've been qualified by God for him to actually show you something you may not even know exists, but you manifest it. 
but you're not aware you're manifested. See, that's the trick, isn't it? You don't know what you know, but he knows. And that's why you go to him and learn from him, because he shows out of love. And he will show you. He showed me how far off I was in the building of the church. He took me from love and said, let's go for a walk. There's some things that I want to show you that you think are me, but they're not. And it was not a big beating up session. Discipline from the Father is the most beautiful thing anyone can experience because it always leads to life. It does not lead to loss. It leads to absolute life. But if we're afraid to get naked in front of God, then how can He come and bring His life in you when you go, no? That's the natural, see? That's the flesh, which is evidence that your will is still living because you actually reject the power that comes to create godliness. So what happens is, like it says, you end up staying in a form of godliness. You're always learning, but never coming to the knowledge of truth, which makes you free. And he says, if you actually fall upon the rock, you will be broken to pieces. Absolute. And that scares us. Because all of a sudden it shines a light. So we can be the light. He wants to make us free to a measure that is so scary but beautiful all in one. He wants to set us free from everything. So you don't look to mankind for anything and then get disappointed when mankind doesn't give you what you look for, which creates a sense of division. Because you're upset that your wife or your husband or your kids don't do what they're supposed to do because you need something from them for a sense of something that you're supposed to be getting from him. Or your business or your work or your money or your this or your that. It's something that you're still searching for because your will still exists that will never bring you into freedom. And so he's got to come and love and empower though. Because he is power. He can't come not in power, but he's love. He's a lion, but he's a lamb. He's a lamb and he's a lion. And you've got to know when the lion turns up and roars and says, Greg, it's time for me to show you some things. And I've been in rest for 10 years. 10 years is a long time to live from Hebrews 4. Because it says, make sure you don't come short of it. Well, you mean I'm short of something? Yeah, you are. But you're destined to come into. So it says, diligently seek. Diligently seek. God rewards those who earnestly seek. What on earth does that mean? To be an earnest seeker of God because he's going to reward earnest Seekers, what does he reward you with? Every promise of absolute, he says, is. Come to me and I will give you rest. It's not maybe. It's not sort of on a day that I'm feeling good. He's going, I am the God of absolutes. And what's cool tonight, when we get into the panel discussion, you're going to hear some pretty rawness. Because what's happened, I know from at least two people, is that the questions have actually started to uncover stuff. 
And I was just talking to Cena before, and I said, bring that. Bring your process so everyone can hear her process. Rather than, oh, this is what blesses poor in spirit means. This is what it's nice, and everyone has their nice thing, and then we go and nothing happens. I'd rather hear, I've got no idea what absolutes are. I'd rather hear, I'm struggling with the reality of this. Because now we're starting to get real rather than cover over some things because of the work he's desperately wanting to do in every single person so we can be the church of the scriptures. We are called to live a heavenly calling. That has nothing to do with going to heaven and everything to do with being someone from heaven on earth who lives from the reality of heaven in them. Okay? So for that to occur, let's look at the first passage. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. You've been destroyed yet? Before the great strong man comes down, the great strong man of self is full of something. Haughtiness, it means to be elevated high, above. What does God say? He gives grace to the, what does he do to the proud? Douche. What for the purpose of? Why does God break your bones? Psalm 51, 8, we looked at that last week. You were in the discussion? Why is it God that breaks the bones of man who is haughty, full of himself? Because God has a predestined purpose for man to see man become the vessel that he has already said will be on earth and the opportunity we have. But we don't start in humility of spirit. We are on the absolute opposite scale of that. Are you aware of your true state before Christ? That has been mentioned as well. So before anybody can be poor in spirit, we are that. And there's a destruction coming. What does he want to destroy? What is it that breaks? Your will. He wants to destroy your will that's been keeping you out of his life. And all from love and all for the purpose of building you up. None of that is loss. If you're hearing loss, you're not hearing. Okay? If you hear loss, you're not hearing. You're interpreting through your mind what's being said. It is all gain. So the second scripture, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Now, once again, we looked at emotional crushing and physical crushing, and yet there's something deeper than that within all of us called our will, the spirit of pride. So as we looked at, you can be the poorest person and still be full of pride. You can be the richest person and be full of humility because it has nothing to do with physical wealth or not. It has nothing to do with emotional wealth or not. It has everything to do with a spiritual substance in you that God needs to deal with to bring you into the fullness of him. So there's a falling on someone 
that does a powerful work of destruction, but actually it's a work of life. The beautiful thing is for me personally, in 97, is when I fell and got broken to pieces, he didn't just leave me with that. I saw love. So I saw the purpose of the breaking. So I got both. And that's the beauty of it. It's everything in God has a reason. There's a reason for why he does everything. And when you can see the reason, it's like the aha moment. And then you go, yes, Lord, show me if there are things because I see where you're taking me. But without the why, it's blind and it all seems doom and gloom. It certainly doesn't, you know, it doesn't fit into a modern gospel that's been preached that God will bless your cotton socks no matter what. He says, no, no, I promise you every trial and tribulation that I went through. And if I don't break you, you're never going to go through every trial and tribulation. You see, the first beatitude, which is what? How does that define the last one? Do you know what the last one is? Persecuted for righteousness. So how does the first, in the beginning, in the beginning, seek first? So how do all God's first define his second, third, fourth, fifth? Do you really believe that unless you've transitioned through the first, you're going to be persecuted for doing the right thing? Do you really think you're going to consider that a blessing? When you live for God, do everything right, and they throw you in prison, slap your face, mug you, beat you, say lies about you, whatever it is, do you think you're going to be able to maintain righteousness if you're not poor in spirit? How on earth does a man get nailed to a cross and say, Father, forgive, because he was poor in spirit? How does a man say, Father, forgive these people for stoning me, um, because he's poor in spirit? How does a man go through that, or woman, if you're not poor in spirit and actually live out those others? It's impossible because the first defines them all. You will not hunger and thirst for righteousness unless you are poor in spirit. You won't have a hunger and a thirst for it because it costs you your entire being. And your will goes, eh, eh, this is still about me. And this is the challenge, and this is the truth that comes. We don't necessarily like it, but we need it. Thanks, Warren. Let's come up panel and we'll unpack some of the questions. I just want to remind us, like, like great discussion is great discussion, but great discussion is there to point you to a great reality. So... If great discussion doesn't have you moving towards the reality, then the great discussion was really a waste of time. Yeah, It's like preaching. preaching. The purpose of preaching is to have you seeking God. So if we're not living in the entire process of the purpose for why we do things, then we're left short of why we're even here. So we've said this a million times, I'm not here to have a good meeting I'm here for transformation. I'm here to be taught. I'm here to, for you to teach me something, me to do something, and together that we would earnestly seek what we are hearing because that's the appropriate response for every follower who wants to be a disciple who can walk in the manner in which Jesus walked. Yeah? So if we don't do anything apart from having good dialogue and it's great, and then 
it's, it's pointless, guys. All right? So I want us to be raw, real, and whatever that looks like, um, because it's not a performance, and people need to hear that we're all on a journey. So first question I want to ask these guys is, how would you describe your own experience of falling on the rock? Dented, bruised, chipped, cracked, broken slash shattered. How would you describe your own experience? We would just say, out of those, you are Mel. Awesome. <laughs> um, I would say shattered, um, absolutely shattered. And um, I wrote here, it, it shattered my hellish reality, <laughs> and that's what it was, um, it was um, it was hell. It was life without him was hell, but I didn't even know that. I didn't even realize. And it wasn't until he uh, revealed himself to me that it shattered this internal reality that my eyes opened and my heart uh, softened. <laughs> and suddenly I, I saw myself for as I really was um, before. And before the the presence of the holy God, and it's it's the fact that He was holy and this pure love that that looked at me as someone who was so so dark and even so um, I guess so stubborn, but but just so um, careless of who He is, of my own Maker. And it, it, so it was this inner reality that shattered. And it was the realization of, of what I had become and what it was. It's how I, how I, it was like this world of who I actually was opened up before my eyes, of how I saw people, what I actually thought about people in my heart, the things I would do, the selfish motivations, and um, I, this, this hellish reality... Um, I was enslaved to it, and it was until he revealed himself that that reality shattered, and it was an open, spacious, by his love and by his mercy, that um, I became free. And so it was, it was um, a shattering yeah, of the hellish reality that I was living in before he revealed himself. So I just want to reiterate something. So it was done through a revelation that God did in you. Yes, yes, and thank you for pointing that out because it, it, um, I wrote here, it was when, it, you see, it was actually when faith was imparted. Something internally happened when faith was imparted that my eyes opened, my heart opened, and it, the inner reality became awake to the living God by faith. Then it became, because now I was in the light of Christ, I could see everything in the light of, it became clear how, how depleted and how I was getting so close to death in my darkness. Yep. The Bible describes a mustard seed of faith can move a mountain. So we're talking the tiniest of seeds through revelation, opens up a realm and through that you can move a mountain. So it's, we're not talking about this massive pineapple seed. 
or this massive pineapple size. We're talking about an experience of God through the power of God in you. Tiny seed brings to light a realm that you can now see in the invisible realm. Cool? Well, I, I was the one that had the big, long conversation with Greg. Um, and I think it's, it's been really good to have these. It was like, oh, no, why did I happen to be on that panel, panel that got Greg's questions, you know? <laughs> um, but it's been because... But it's been really good because it's made me ask deeper questions instead of assuming some stuff. And had you asked me that question four weeks ago, I would have said, absolutely, I've been absolutely shattered. But because of what the Lord was starting to show, he wasn't saying, look at the experience. He was saying, look at the fruit. Now, I can still say I have had a smashing, but the fruit of that hasn't produced the full life that he was showing me is for me. So there was definitely a time where my life completely did change and I came to the end of my... I've, I've, I've shared this a number of times. And my life has changed, but... It was like he was saying, so do you want to stay at that place? Did you actually know there's more? Now, I knew there was more, but I didn't know there was still more shattering. Like I had assumed something that that was that. So I would say that I'm not completely shattered. Now, the reason I say that is because there are still times where my default setting is to go to human understanding. And if I had been shattered completely, my default setting would never go there. There would be a default setting that is spirit, spirit, spirit. It wouldn't be how, to, how do I understand it and then, oh, now bring that to God. So, um, but the thing in this all is that there is no shame. There is absolutely no shame because... There is no shame and there's no disappointment with Christ. He doesn't say because, and I'm going to skip a question, but we're going to come to it. I was thinking about this thing about absolutes. What would, what would it be that would frighten me about an absolute? Is if I interpret it through a human understanding by seeing things black and white, and, you know, as a person, I can be quite black and white. But what happens is black and white, right and wrong, accepted, rejected. So what would frighten me is that I would put an absolute with rejection. And there is no such thing with God. It was the greatest time of my life. <laughs> um, man, how does one even start to express her pathway? This was the, my pathway. The shattering of me was the pathway, was the start. It was my pathway to joy. Um, 
and you guys heard it a bit last year as well. Um, and Luke Harris, man, have a listen again. He, the precision and the clarity to how you explain being poor in spirit. In nine minutes, bro, you literally, in nine minutes, you literally opened up the gospel, you know, the true gospel of one's life being lost in Christ. So, yeah, it was, it actually trumps the day I was physically born being smashed, to be honest. Thank you. I love what everyone shared, but I really hope you can hear just what Sandra said there around it's not about rejection. You've got to capture that. It's, it's got nothing to do, it's everything to do with becoming who he's called you to be. And it's also understanding. And what makes this really hard is, once again, if, if you haven't had a revelation of who you were before, because you realise the height when he shows you how evil you were. And it would have been me nailing him to the cross. Because the same spirit that was in them was in me. By his mercy, see, and this is what it is, it's in view of God's mercy, offer your body. But if your view of his mercy is non-existent or limited because of a lack of revelation, it's then very hard. Do you think you're a good person? And this is why when the rich young ruler comes to good and he says, what do you have to do in here? Why do you call me good? There's only one who's good and it's the Father, but we have a standard because we judge ourselves by ourselves. He goes, it's not about being good or bad. You're evil. You're dead. You are dead in your sin. See, And so when you see that and then you see how much he loves you, all in Revelation, there's a tumbling of the Eiffel Tower, you come down because you can't fathom how you can be loved. It's an ain't human. This is, and someone said it last week, I think Noel and Joe, being poor in spirit is not something you figure out. It's a supernatural thing that happens to you. It's all supernatural. None of this is natural. And the problem is we've probably heard of gospels where there's a lot of natural you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And we don't even really know what that means. And we're trying to operate in our own strength. Because it's, yeah, I can do all things if Christ strengthens in me. Because I'm no longer existing. Because my strong man fell on the rock and got broken into pieces. But if my strong man still lives, I can't do anything of eternal value. I can do a lot of temporal stuff. Absolutely. We can do all the temporal stuff in the world and call that God. And we don't need God for that. But that's not what he's talking about. So we have to wrestle righteously with absolutes. And I would encourage you, as you're meditating his word, start writing down every absolute you see. You will be astonished and then look at the promise of the absolute. So what does it say? Blessed are the poor in spirit. What is the promise? For theirs is the kingdom of God. What does that even mean? See, if you don't even know the promise that's associated with the blessing, you've got no idea what it is. And there's a reality of a kingdom life within you that is associated with being humble in spirit. 
And if you've got no knowledge of this, it just sounds great off the tongue. Oh, yeah, poor in spirit. But you don't live that out. So for every nine of those Beatitudes, there is a promise for every one. Aren't we the people of the promise? Which is a spiritual promise. And isn't every promise in Jesus, yes and amen? What does that mean to then live a promised, filled life where what you are promised in Christ, because what he says is, is yours. That you've laid hold of the inheritance which is in the unseen, but it's yours. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about receiving the fullness of life today and living from it. We're talking about a complete overcoming of every demonic flesh culture of the world, people group. It's powerful, yeah? So the question I ask these guys is, why does Jesus speak in absolutes? And have you ever struggled with his absolutes and why? Sina. Question, why does Jesus speak in absolutes? And have you ever struggled with his absolutes and why? first part of that question is because he is absolute. But um, in all honesty, I really struggled with, um, actually I wrestled with the second part of this question um, because I thought, oh man, he's touched on, he's exposed. Um, he just, he reminded me, because obviously when I struggle understanding a question, even though English is my primary language, I go, can you show me the, which, where I, yeah, or explain it to me. Um, but be, the reason why I struggled with this absolute it was because I had not yet been perfected in his love. And the evidence of this was, um, was due to Fear of death, physical death. The Lord has shown me that I will, in the future, I will be persecuted by you. And for the next 10 years, I can walk with you. 10, 20 years, you could tell me to my face you love me, or you're my, I'm your sister in Christ but you, you will also persecute me. And secondly, he has also shown me in my death. It's not through any health issues. It's due to because I will not relinquish my faith in him. And for years, brother, I know you'd seen that why I was, I was the, the, the in and out. You saw, you've seen it for years and man, thank you for your love because you could have said something to me. But it was just, uh, it was, I was in a process of being perfected in his love. And the last couple of months, I've been an absolute joy because he has shown me that I've overcome that fear. The power of death does not have a hold on me anymore. So I'm so, so, so grateful to him. It, yeah. There's, 
Oh, yeah, there's just... Uh, one doesn't even know where to start. Yeah. I hope that... Yeah. It's beautiful. And wasn't that the question he asked another woman? Do you believe you will live even if you die? There's an absolute. Thank you. Mel, why does Jesus speak in absolutes and have you ever struggled with his absolutes and why? Um, yeah, because um, Jesus, I think, you know, the entire word, as you were saying, is absolute and that's because everything's complete in him and uh, he is at the right hand of the Father resting because <laughs> the work is complete. And so... Um, what was the question with Jesus in the absolutes? <laughs> why does he speak in absolutes? And have you ever struggled with some of the absolutes and why? Yeah. So he speaks in absolutes because he is absolute and he is complete. And everything is already completed. So for him, he's not speaking from a place of lack. He's speaking from uh, the end, finished, and calling us forth into that hope. And so uh, do I struggle with the absolutes? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely I do. And I've had countless conversations with different people uh, here about these absolutes. And, you know, one of them would, would be um, being made perfect, be perfect. And um, it's like, okay, what, you know, what does that mean, you know? And that we can, we can be made complete and whole, whole like the other uh, I shared a few months ago about the hand and how Jesus healed the man's hand and made the other hand as whole as the other. And that we, we have the full potential of being whole right. like the other, which right. is Christ. And that, that absolute, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I struggle with. But I don't struggle that it, that struggle defines me. I'm yeah. living in the potential of what Christ has done, that yeah. it's the end and the complete. Um, so it doesn't mean that I don't have questions. It doesn't mean that I don't, I don't sh- struggle with him. But, but it's in the safety and in the completeness of what he's done. It's, it's like I've let go of I cannot make myself perfect. My definition of perfect from the old man would have been um, this shiny outside thing where I know it's an internal reality to possess the peace, joy, the righteousness, the fruits of Christ, how he, just who he was, you know. Um, but that is exciting that that we are called that I'm called to live from that innate place of wholeness and perfect peace. Um, so yes, I struggle, but I, I, I feel like because because I was thinking about you know we falling so high and shattering, it, it's the perfect time when we're born again from the heavenlies. We're, we're born from on top from heaven. And so we're born from that full realized potential. And, uh, and then we, that, that we live from that place here on earth as he did. And, and uh, we, we access that. And that's, that's where we live. And um, James, James 1, uh, I'm going to read it, this other version. Uh, It says, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation. And I thought, wow, that's powerful. Um, Because the, I guess, you know, the absolutes, like you will be persecuted. If you're Christian or not, rain or shine, you will will go through things as as others that aren't believers do. It's not uh, this promised life of um, being... 
comfortable and everything's great, but what he's saying is, you know, we can have joy in our circumstances that are, you know, um, crushing, but the man who's lowly in spirit is because he knows he's rich in heaven. And so it's, it's the sense of like we can take joy, not in the circumstances, but in the results of him and us. And, and yet the prideful man who hasn't been born from above and is living in poverty, his circumstances, because he's lofty and he's still sitting up high, hasn't been shattered, um, it, it says that those circumstances that happen will humiliate him and bring him down. And so we see this humiliation and humility so, you know, hand in hand. Um, so. I just want to also encourage you to, um, regarding um, 1 John 2.5, it says, the promise from the Lord is saying, if, you, if we keeping his word, then the love of God is truly perfecting us. And if I'm being perfected by love, then there's no fear. So I just want to encourage you all with that. And just just keep hearing it's about becoming the people we have been called to become. So just keep it. So we, we have to start with the promise, yeah? But then you have to actually go back and actually start now in the process. Yes. And it's like, great, yeah, right. Now, do you love the process just as much as you love the promise? And it's won or lost in the process. You know? And so, obviously, we have to know the way because the way is the process and the way is Jesus Christ. If we're going to receive the fulfillment of the promise... But that is where it's won or lost. So keep hearing, all this is about becoming. That's why we're doing the becoming three days. Becoming sons that creation longs and is waiting for. What do you think those sons are able to live like? Who are they able to live like? What is the life within them? Because all of creation is awaiting, and there is a whole lot of others cheering the saints on. This is so much bigger than a heaven and hell gospel that many have only ever heard. It's, that isn't actually the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom is what we're talking about. That gospel gets you into this gospel, and it's the word of the kingdom. I come with my kingdom. John's message has prepared you for another message. Yeah? We've only ever heard John's gospel. What's this other kingdom thing? It's about your complete ability to live as Jesus did. Take my hand, because the kingdom is at hand. And John's message is preparing for the message. So they are two messages wrapped up in the same message. Can you hear what I'm saying? But one is much bigger than the other. But we've stopped at sin, iniquity, rather than the message of faith to see and enter into an ability to become Christ-like. Literally. Because he was a man. Sandra. That was an absolute, what I just said there. 
Why does Jesus speak in absolutes and have you ever struggled with this and why? Well, I kind of touched on that before. Um, I think, again, if you don't know his love, that's when you want to shrink back. Um, But once you have tasted of his love and you have had his love revealed um, to you and in you, even to a small measure, because it's, yeah, it does this. (laughs) It causes you to, um, instead of fearing an absolute, be so thankful for an absolute, because an absolute's not going to shift. And everything in the world shifts, and what you do, what you find is you find a very um, a, a futile way of living, and and that I have experienced. This, it's like a shifting goalpost that doesn't have absolutes, and so you're going for something that's supposed to bring life, and it doesn't bring life. And so when he shows you that actually this whole way was never meant to bring you life, you know? Um, And I'm talking about following the Lord. I'm not talking about sex, drugs and rock and roll, (laughs) you know? Um, Because there's, there's a stumbling block and this is the, the stumbling block that became the cornerstone. And the, the stumbling block is that you would try and work it out. And that it would be something that you were working toward to come into life. Um, but there is, there is only one way. And he has to show you the futility of your trying and your striving for you to, to even come into anything of wanting him to search your heart because otherwise you don't want him to search your heart you just want to do what you think you know is right and and now I'm I want him to expose what's wrong because I know that he is trustworthy I am not my understanding is not but he is and so it, it's a position that gives me confidence that he, what he says is true. It absolutely is true. And that means that there's something that's immovable that I can look to and I can ask and, and I can trust what he says rather than, than I've got to make it fit my experience. I know that I've got to lay my life and my experience at his foot and let his word dictate rather than the other way around and change his word. And I think that's the thing about absolutes is that that's the, the temptation that flesh will want to redefine an absolute and say it's actually it's not that because my experience doesn't fit that instead of saying, well, actually the absolute is God. And let all men be a liar and God be truth, you know? And that's, that's the only way that you're, you're anywhere near going to be able to hear him. Can we agree that when Peter, James, John and the other disciples, but we'll talk about Peter, can we agree that his will 
when Jesus called him to follow him, was still fully operating? Yes. Yep. So how long did his will exist for in its current format? Three years. Roughly three and a half years. Yep. Was God using him in that state? The man walked on water. So you can walk on water, but your will can be very much intact. See, here's the key. Peter thought he'd actually left everything and followed. All he left was everything external. He didn't left Peter. Peter came with Peter and Jesus. So the man's will, because it's your will that needs to get shattered, was fully functioning his will, not God's will. Why do you think he got up in Jesus' face? I'll give him kudos. I respect that because he was living out his will with conviction. But his will was anti-Christ, completely anti-Christ. And that is our will until it is broken into pieces. So you can do signs and wonders with your will intact. You can preach the gospel, cast out demons, lay hands on the sick, and your will may not be touched at all, which is credible that God even allows it, but he does to find out who genuinely actually loves him and will go through the process of his way. So we have to be fully aware that it's fully possible to do all that, like Peter, and have your will fully operating, cracked, dented. Because I'm sure along the way his will was sort of getting a bit dented, but not enough for him to actually agree with the word of the Lord when he said, you're going to deny me. No, I ain't. And we're all Peters until we become Peters of Acts. That's how we all start. And what I love about Jesus is, you know, he, he says, Jesus says, I'm going away, you can't come. He said, if I give you a new commandment, which is an absolute. He doesn't hear that at all because he's only interested in why he can't go. That's what our will does. It's self-best interest. I'm not interested in loving those guys. I want to know why I can't come with you because okay? it's still operating. And I love Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus said, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Absolute. He's not there. He is speaking prophetically and absolute that if you surrender, I will get you to where I have predestined you to go. But right now, you're actually coming against me. You're not hearing me because his will is still living. And I hope that really helps you see that that didn't mean Jesus didn't love him. That didn't mean Jesus wasn't going to finish the work that he started. That didn't mean any of that, but what it meant was in that current format, if Peter stays like that, he's never going to receive the fullness of life because he's still in the driver's seat trying to determine all. In fact, Jesus said, Peter, you are a stumbling block to me, which means you're a stumbling block to my father. You're a stumbling block to the father's way. You're a stumbling block to these guys beside you. You're a stumbling block to the Israelites and the Gentiles. You are getting in the way, son. I need to go. But if you, I will. Absolute. And we know he did. 
So we have to be confronted with this. There's no way around it if you want the fullness of life, you know. And then you see one and two, Peter, he writes things that are like, hey man, you've got little faith. Now you're writing about faith. What happened between there and there? A will got dealt with and smashed. So I want to ask these guys, um, how does our will being broken into pieces define our inner spiritual life? How does the removal of our will being broken into pieces and shattered, how does that define the inner spiritual life that you're in? Um, So I I feel like I described it slightly earlier about um, my, so the inner state, my eyes being opened uh, to his reality that he he exists, that he is love, that, that actually life is in his hands. Uh, my heart had, that was hardened, softened, uh, my perspective changed, my thoughts uh, changed, there was clarity. Um, um, Back to the question again. Sorry, guys. Just, I have such just a foggy... the, your inner life. What's your yeah. inner life like now? Now, compared yeah. to what it was because of this will being yes. shattered. Yes. So, um, and now it's a life that's devoted to Christ. It's 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 a life that um, wants to uh, please Him, wants to be with Him, wants to seek what He seeks, love what He loves. It's um, desiring. What he has for me, um, it's knowing that I'm desired by him. Um, it's, it's, yeah, I guess it's, it's, I just feel like it's a wide open life of light that um, is just warmed by love and it's, 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 a, it's a completely different world from, from what it once was which was encaved and dark, enslaved, little, um, and, yeah, I guess. How, is, how has it enabled you to treat people like he treats people? It's the love that I've received that I, 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 I owe. <laughs> I owe to others because I know mercy, I know grace, I know I that I know that He saved me. Um, and I was thinking about you know this morning with um, Brian when he, he said he talked about the DNA and that it it instructs the body and it, it orders you know puts the body together. And I thought, oh, that's so powerful. Didn't know any of the scientific words he was using, but. That stuck out because, because you know, when God spoke, He created everything, and it's 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 like the um, new created life. Peter said this, right? Peter, the Peter you just talked about. He then goes on and he says, you know, therefore you who believe He is precious, but He's um, but to those who are disobedient. Um, he is a stone of a, he's a stumbling block, a, a, a rock of um, 
a rock of offense, which is very different from the Peter, even if all, when he says in Matthew 26, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. That will, I will, you know, I could, I would never do that. And then Jesus is like, you're going to deny me three times, or the, the rooster is going to crow three times. And yet he asked Peter that question, the three questions, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Third question. Peter, does your heart burn for me? That is a very different dented Peter versus shattered Peter. Does your heart burn for me? And the life now in Christ, my heart burns for him. It burns for his word because I can't live. I can't live. I don't live without him speaking and, and feeding me partaking so it's awesome. it's a burning life great seeing you before when the day that your life shattered joy was a reality can you try to put words and i know it's hard but can you try to put words to the joy that you experience and is in you The joy that one experienced wasn't a external. Uh, it wasn't a this external thing where there had to be. This is joy. This is joy. This is peace. This is rest. This is love. It was this divine. Um, this power. The supernatural power that it. It came in and then it just washed me clean and my eyes was my eyes, my mind, my mouth, what I was hearing, just hope was attached to it, love was attached to it, rest was attached to it, peace was attached to it. There was no more I don't know if you heard me last year too. I explained when when my heart was so hard in darkness, it was a bit like receiving flowers. Um, and I said that it was if I, when I received flowers, I literally would look at them and go, "Oh, that's pretty," and then go, and would have no attack, no hope for for any, because eventually they'll die. So your even your eyes looked at it like it's death. Everything you speak, death. You hear, yeah. This, yeah. Um, but when there's joy, yeah, it is hard to, it's hard to, to put words to it. And man, I know more than one language. And I can't even find a natural language to explain it to you. And man, I pray that you will experience this joy too. Because it will just, you would go through whatever comes. Because nothing can shift this foundation that you're built on. You'll go through it all. I just want to read you some of his absolute words. But now I come to you. So he's talking about his father. And these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. That's one absolute promise. Here's another one. Therefore you too have grief now, 
but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and no one will take your joy away from you. Here's another one. Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Remember what I said at the start? Be kept in his name because in his name comes a reality. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. Three absolute promises in relation to joy and someone has experienced the fruit of Christ. So that is no longer a prophetic promise, it's a reality in. I hope you can, or you've heard the difference it makes. It's the time, 6.50. Anyone want to ask some questions? Yeah, it's an absolute. Come on, it must be questions. This is too big for there not to be questions. Peter hadn't been broken, what what made him give up his livelihood and leave his mother and father and So his pre mindset of who Christ was, the plan in his head was very much different to what was happening in that moment. So he goes, Oh, you're the one we've been waiting for, number one. Number two is you're going to take these guys apart and we're going to reign with you, like the sound of that. Number three, you're going to rightfully reinstate us as these people of the kingdom who are going to reign now over the Romans because they've been reigning over us for so long. So his so it was all that fleshly stuff. His knowledge that had been taught through the law, through not through revelation. So they all, that's the Israelite people. They, that's why they've missed their Messiah, which is our Messiah, because they have a pre-set mindset of this without the spirit and that led them to a false reality and to some those people nailed him to the cross but that same spirit is in all of us and this is this reality it's like so we're it goes on for a one people group he takes the jew and the gentile to make one because we've actually all the chosen people because we've all been predestined so he's got a mindset which is not the same as Jesus's. So he's in opposition. And so Jesus has to love him and love him and be patient with him and be kind, but teach, rebuke, correct, because Jesus is knowing the Spirit's coming. And Jesus knows Peter is marked, but Peter doesn't really know he's marked like Jesus knows he's marked. And so, you know, it says when, when, when the rooster crowed, it says that he, the word he remembered the word, which is not just the one word. It's like the word that was going forth. You'll do this. You'll do this. You'll do, and he's going, nah, 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 and then bang. I personally believe, I can't prove it through the scriptures, but I know that place of weeping bitterly <laughs> where you are an absolute wreck. 
but it's through hearing the word. So the word caught up with him. It had been going out, trying to prepare him, but his hard heart, because his will was still living, was like, nah, 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 because I've got a predetermined mindset how this is going down. That's why he tried to protect Jesus. How on earth can you be the Messiah if they're going to kill you? I've got to step in. So from his intention, his will, he thinks he's doing the right thing. He does not think he's doing anything wrong. And that's why it's beautiful because, you know, imagine being the other guards and they're going, all this guy's doing is protecting his own dude, which we're doing, and yet he fixes our guy and rebukes his own dude. That's back to front. Would have been amazing to be a guard there watching all that unfold. So, yeah, he's got a wrong mindset, which they all had. I think he could only hear with his... His ears, but it was until the word penetrated his heart when he heard the word and realized the word was made manifest in him. You know, it came into him um, that would have shattered his everything he once heard. And he's the one that preaches in Acts where it says they all heard the word and were pierced to the heart. It's incredible what's happening between here and here. And so he becomes Jesus to everybody else because he's talking about this message from Joel that he's now in, that he couldn't hear before when he was being told a whole lot of stuff. So this was a massive transaction for the man. The old Peter, his will, not his mind, not his emotions, because he's still in Acts 10, needed the renewing of his mind. But his will, which is the driver of man, no I'm in control, I'm staying in control, you stay over there, I let you in here, but don't come here. So I honour you with my service, but I remove my heart from you so you can't touch it. So I will do works for you all day long, God, just don't come in this close. And we do that, and we can do that as his people. That's why he says, I don't want your offerings, I don't want your sacrifices, I want a broken and contrite heart. I don't care that you run around and do all this stuff, I could do that with a click of a finger. That's not what I'm about. I want your heart. So why are you resisting your heart? Why have you removed your heart but continue to do religious ceremony? And you can do that and not even know you're doing it. But it prevents you from this type of life. Because your inner realm is going, no, no. Understanding life is in the where. Heart. Where is the wellspring of life? Heart. Where does the eternal life start? Heart. Why did the rich young ruler run away? Even though he did a whole lot of good deeds and works and keeping commandments. Because he was removing his heart. Because he wanted to be God of his own life. Because his will was still existing. I mean, it's been 2,000 years that the church has been on the earth. I would have hoped to have seen something that resembled what I read by now. Would you? So there's something that's happening that we need to address. And it's not this. It's this. And if every single Christian went this, this is a mirror, doesn't matter what anything or anyone else is doing to me, it's all irrelevant. The first point of call is this. 
the church would actually be the church of the scriptures. But while we continue to do this and just go through motions, we will never be the church of the scriptures, which means we're all missing out on becoming who we're actually being called to be. And that's sad. Because like Mal, I am besotted. I am obsessed with him. And what is in him. Um, for me, that inner realm is its actually really hard to describe. It's carrying a substance in you that has freed you from everything and everyone. And you would leave tomorrow. Well, you'd leave right now. No offence to Danny, the girls, whatever. My parents. Because the substance within is formed and forming to a measure that enables you to actually behave and live out something that truly is Christ-like to the measure that the work is done. To have a joy that's not based on happiness, feelings, what happens to you or around you, and to be in a peace that guards the heart and the mind from the fear and the worry of coronavirus and money and whatever. And to be living, especially for me in this rest, it's like it doesn't get any better than this, but it does. Because <laughs> he said, how much do you actually want? You know, And it ain't a competition. You know, It's not about, oh, and it's not an us and a them, it's just an us. But together we must pursue, but we've all got to go through the same door. There's no other door. You know, the false teacher, who is a man or a woman, not the thief, will teach you a false way, which is not necessarily their intent, but it can happen. And so there's only one door. And for there to be life, there needed to be a death. You can't skip the death process of your own will because you're poisoned with it. He doesn't give you a grace card and say, Greg, you can have one. Everyone else is going to have to go through that door. There's no favour, favourites, but there's favour. Yeah. And so every one of us has to go through the same process. It's called Jesus Christ and his way, which means that's why we love covers, because someone who's gone through and had their will removed can cover someone else. And what they're going through, even when that person, I hear what Cena's saying, comes at you because they don't understand why you're saying what you're saying. They don't understand why you would come to them because you're seeing things that they can't see and you know it's restricting them, but they can't see it. And so they turn around and bite the hand that's feeding, not even knowing that you're doing it. But the action should show you a reality that's not in you. You hear that? Your actions will show you what is really in you, who is in you, and who wants to grow within you more and more. And so that's the thing, you know. It's like there's a, there's a dimension of life called eternal life in him, which he died and rose again for the body to come into, that a body would release the manifold wisdom of God that an 
heavenly realm can't quite fathom because these are sinners, but saints. What are you doing with these people that actually gave you the bird from creation and deny you? They can't, the angels can't figure it out. Why are you dealing with these people that are stubborn, obstinate, disobedient? Why do you bother? They give you praise and then they go live for themselves. They tick boxes and then they go, why are you even bothering? Because I love them. I have predestined them and I'm trying to awaken them to who they actually are. Why did you give them choice? Because I want them to fall in love with me out of a desire of their own heart. So I create this beautiful story which is absolute and does what it says it does. And if they will relinquish and surrender themselves to me and my way, then they will all receive and will become the people that I've already predestined for. But if they choose themselves then I still love them and I'm still their father and I will wait for them. But there are consequences. And this is where you have to be able to sit in the tension of the two. You have to be able to see who you've been called to be, see where you're at today and allow that to inspire you to become it, not derail you. If you know where you've come from even to this day, Honestly, you'd be so motivated for what is to come, but we have to know where we've come from, you know, beforehand. Um, it was interesting about going when you were saying, you know, not to enter in any other way. Um, I was, oh, there we go, um, reading about um, godliness um, because I was thinking to myself, you know, the the with the shattering and the new life, it's also this empowerment to train yourself in godliness because you so desire and you want to devote your life to God to the godliness. It says, train yourselves for godliness um, because it's... Oh, sorry, for exercise is of limited value. It was talking about, you know, like exercising the, the physical of the natural is of limited value, but godliness is valuable in every way. Do you know what I mean? It's like godliness is valuable in every way because it's the innate life in us that actually infiltrates the heart, mind, soul, and what we do, the actions um, that, that makes us towards God, living from and towards Him. And then it says, um, in every way, holding promise for the present life. Right, It's not just a future thing, but a today thing. For the one to come, this is trustworthy saying, worthy of full acceptance. But that train yourself now. I remember we had that joke about training naked, right? It came up again, about, but it means to train naked, to, to, to train with full effort. And so this new reality in him of, of the new life in him, it's a full effort, full energized, full committed you know, to, to exercise the godliness. Um, but it, that's where the word gym comes from, or gymnasium, the roots, you know, is, is this training. And it's like the sense of train, the life now we have in him is with full effort and intensity 
to seek to be like him. Do you know what I mean? But it's, it's that empowerment that's already there. It's not striving. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's only possible when your will has been removed. Because the natural will doesn't want to go after that. It wants to live. See, it's, it's, it's you've lost your life. And all the dreams that came with that and all the dreams as a little boy or girl are gone unless he gives it back to you. And now he says, now here's what I want you to live for. It's called me and my kingdom. Your life is now hidden. So you don't exist in the old form. I just want to touch on something because Mel said it, and I'm not sure if people caught it, and then we'll wrap this. But this thing about godliness, it says this, godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So now is your time to get ready so you experience the life you are predestined for now and what you're doing in getting your apprenticeship sorted is there's a life that you're going to enter into in another dimension. So to not get ready now is to put that life at risk because at the judgment seat, you're going to be judged as whether you lived a life of godliness now. You understand? That's why there's a loss at the judgment seat for the church, not a heaven and hell. I'm not talking about that seat. That's the great white throne. I'm talking about there's a judgment for the way we have lived. Did you live a life of godliness? See, Which means every desire you have to not be that has to die. This is not Christianity 101, you do what you want. This is boot camp. I'm training specialised undercover agents who are ambassadors from another realm living on earth who are equipped, powerfully and trained to bring to light and life through their lives, their demonstration, me. And seek first that. So if you're seeking first anything but that, you can't seek two things at once. You'll be half-hearted. You have to seek first all of what he has. And to not is to miss out. But you are destined to receive. So you, it's at your own peril. And when he shows you this, like I've seen, saw this, when he shows you this, it creates the fear of the Lord. He says we persuade men from the fear of the Lord because the judgment seat is coming, so tell them it's coming. To fall into the hands of a living God is not something you want to do. So wake up because it's coming, but you're asleep. Oh, we're not asleep. No, you're asleep. No, we're not. You're asleep. You will not deny me. I will, you will, sorry, you will, I won't, you will, I won't. He was asleep. And we are asleep to a measure here at the rock. He is waking us up, but we are more asleep than awake. And that I say out of love, guys. I, I hope you know I am for you. I hope you know I've, I'm, I'm <laughs> doing everything I can in his wisdom to present something where you don't think I'm a nutter, over the top, and I, I would hate it if I pressed you away from me when I'm trying to draw you to me. 
but I know that can happen because I know what I've been entrusted with and what is on me to declare because I see it. And it's a righteous wrestle that I want to run away from because I'm going, it's like, imagine being at the burning bush and you're the only one there. And having to come back and share with the people closest to you what happened. This guy, what on earth? You're trying to describe an experience with God that you know no one's going to understand unless they've had the same experience. And you're the only one at the burning bush. And I'm not saying this is me, but what I'm trying to do is I have had a burning bush experience. And we're all to have burning bush experiences. So it is not for, it's for everyone. And you get shown things because your will has been smashed. And you're like, this is real. Is this for us? Is this for the body? Yes, son. And then you're entrusted because we've all been entrusted to be voices. Every one of us needs to step up and start being what we've been entrusted to be. But if you don't know who you are, it's very hard to be a voice because what do you say? I've got nothing to bring, but you're supposed to be Made ready. So there's a whole reality because it's like we're asleep. And unfortunately, the model that we've probably all been brought into is an institution. And for 10 years, God has been dismantling it. If you've been around, you've heard these words. He's going to dismantle. He dismantled part of me. I'm starting with you, Simnor. And then I'm moving to everyone that's going to stay. You cannot be part of this family and not be dismantled to some degree. You can't if you genuinely want to be part of what God's doing and become what he's actually called to become because none of us have started from God. And we all carry stuff that's not him thinking it is and we've all got mindsets that need to be smashed because otherwise we'd be a very different people. And his love is covering us. He says, I love you, Simnel, but man, you're about five. You think you're 15, but you're really five. <laughs> it's quite humbling. <laughs> you think you're 25, but you're really about seven. And that's either offensive or beautiful. You either hear that through faith or fear. Towards. To be his beloved, who can live as his beloved now. I'm not sure how to put this question together, so um, just bear with me. Um, so before your, all four of you, um, breaking experiences, um, and before you received the revelation that led to that, was there an internal crying for help or crying for whatever or hunger that led you to your knees and why or how yeah. Yeah, absolutely my, my, my spirit was crying out not my flesh my flesh as I said before had no idea no idea of of what was going on but it was my spirit that was crying out um and and it was him reaching, um, and so yeah, there was there. But I mean, even that the crying out of like it's so deep in your core, the person that 
you know, um, you can even miss, you know, it's like it, it was so deep crying out that um, it, it moved him. I feel like it didn't even move me. Like I didn't know what, to, like it was like, I wasn't even quite aware of it, but it moved him and he heard. And so it was even like when, when faith was imparted and this internal dialogue with God started happening, it, it was still like, what is going on, you know? Um, so, yeah, definitely the spirit crying out, yeah. Um, I was just going to add to Mel. Hi, everybody. I'm here. <laughs> um, yeah, it's the spirit that cries out because... When you, um, at the end of yourself, your flesh doesn't have the capacity to hold the despair and the sorrow. It does not have the capacity. And I say that from experience. That is, yeah. And so it is the size of a mustard seed that literally is roar, that is crying out. Um, like Luke said, God, if you're real, yeah, I think for me, I, I um, like I. So when I was nineteen, I was in a relationship and thought I got in trouble with this relationship, and so I prayed. I said, "Lord, if this particular person isn't this, then I'll follow you." It wasn't. I went. Thanks very much. See you later then wanted to live. I'm a, beautiful, I'm a beautiful expression of a hard heart who didn't think he was hard-hearted. Then I find myself in another situation and I say, if you will do this, I'll do this. Okay? This is my, my, if you want to call my whatever you want to call it, my, my, my will. He comes through. I go, thank you. See you later. The lights in the room is all part of this. If you're real, you show. He turns up. I go, cool. See you later. Six times, supernatural encounters with God who is proving to Greg Sumner he is real and Greg Sumner is rejecting everyone because Greg Sumner doesn't want to surrender his will. So I want to take God. Thank you. Give me, give me, give me, give me. And I will use you for my own purposes. But I am not going to follow you. So thank you for doing that. That's amazing. Awesome. Well, this is a good deal. And I'm, I'm a good guy. Anything wrong with that? That's all right, isn't it? You know? And then I get married. And so through that three and a half year marriage that was ending, all of a sudden, Greg Simnor was spiraling out of control. Doing things he's never done before. Being found in places he was never found before in. But I am spiralling through pain completely and I can't control this one. Every other one I'm firmly still in control. God has been faithful, I'm unfaithful, I'm not a Christian. But I'm seeing as a non-Christian the reality of God. And that I spiralled out of control to the point where I didn't even pray God would come into my life. My, we, my, me and my mum prayed on the phone 
for more help. <laughs> I'm like, man, I don't have a great track record. I've prayed this six times, he's come through, and I've deserted every time. But I'm going, the selfishness that's in me is still going to pray and ask for help. This is the will that needs to be put to death. It's like, how rude is that? You selfish, self-centered person. And you've heard the story. It was like, so we pray a prayer that's not even, that's not, I'm like, I'm not praying, Lord, I want to know you. Uh, Lord, I want to live for you. I'm praying, help God again, Greg Simnor. Now, there was a desperation because I'd spiraled out of control. Like, every day was black. You know, and this is when I first met Cena at Rebel Sport. I did not want to get out of bed. I did not want to live. It's dark every day. <sighs> it was hell. But it was the greatest day that he came. And it was through a phone call on the phone. And my ex-wife is saying something. And I don't even know what happened. But I know I was at the end of my life and I was screaming. And there was an encounter. And that day, I got love and I ceased to exist, meaning my will. And later in years, I said this to God, and I said, God, I said, my older brother has seen my life and has loved me through things. I said, why doesn't he see the change and want you? And he said, Greg, until I came in you, you didn't want me either. (laughs) He said, I was there and I came to you, but until I entered into you, you didn't want me. And until I come into man, man doesn't actually want me. They want their version of me. And that day I, I died. I died. And I've, you know... I'm not perfect and my mind is still being renewed and all those things, but my will, the driver that wants to keep in control. And that was an experience that I know that I know that no one can take from me. It's, 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 it's hard to put words to the reality of what it was, but I died that day. So. I just want to say that we have... A gift from the Lord here as a community that we actually have someone that has this genuine life. We're not talking about just says the right words but knows it, you know, because and the promise is for all of us. That's why I can sit up here and say, Look, I'm not in this, but the promise is for me. And I'm going to go for it, totally. And and whatever that takes, and it's going to take us all to get there. But it's it's not some lofty thing that's up there for these special people. But for ordinary Joe Blogs like us, it's not. That is not who he is. You know, and the promise is for us. You know, I just want to share, these words were prophesied over over Jesus. It says, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise or the resurrection 
of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed. Well, all of that's in the mix. We're seeing it. And a sword, and he's talking to Mary, and a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end, and this is for all of us, that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. He is after our hearts, and and this is the journey, and it's for all of us. It's not for a special flu. It's not, it's not for a few that will always be preaching that it's up here, it's up here, it's up here, and we'll all go, oh, oh, I wish I could. It's not like that. You know, if he speaks what he speaks, his word is sent to perform a work, and it will not return void. But we have to have the ears that hear what the Spirit says, and we also have to believe that's the one thing that will keep us out. And if a stumbling block can be come from disappointment and feeling offended, we take offence. And when you take offence, it, it leads to unbelief. And unbelief is the one thing that will keep us out. So it's the receiving of, you know, it's for us. And it, it, there is nothing that can disqualify there's nothing at all that can disqualify any one of us out of this if we just will surrender and submit and come to him. It's all his work anyway. Amen. I would just like to say something about um, how we've each got um, weaknesses and failures and problems and we talk, God's asking us to forgive one another's failures. That's right. We're all in the washing machine together. <laughs> James. Uh, hi. Um, yep. uh, I just felt like this just night's been like a crazy journey just for just like some, some real, real high points and some real like revelation that's just been spoken. Um, yeah, no, I was, I was going to ask this question. I just felt like I should ask it. Um, yeah, and that is... I was just reading in my word a little bit, little bit further up from tonight because we've had a few nights where we've been talking about pouring spirit, so I thought maybe it just look at it a little bit. But um, and I was just wondering how being poor in spirit relates to hungering and thirsting for righteousness. If that's yep. The work he does in you through creating, he, through the work he does, it creates that. Yeah. So it's just. It's like I said, he, he, he breaks what's not of him to build himself in. And because you get him, you hunger and thirst for what he hungers and thirsts for. So every single thing is based on your revelation of Jesus Christ. So he has to remove firstly the thing that's blocking that, which is our will. Our minds and our emotions do, our soul. Okay, And this is the whole thing because he we get a born-again spirit, but that spirit needs to wash over our mind, will, and emotions through sanctification, for that's why God has predestined us for the for sanctification through the power of the spirit and by faith. And salvation is the entire process of saving your entire being, not just your spirit from going to hell. And then that influences your body. So all of that comes, which is in you, then comes out of you, and you find your body hunger and thirsting to be in the right place 
to live righteously, not because you're trying, but because your inner realm has Christ in it. And so the, the word of God, which is not a book, but Jesus Christ, is the food source, the bread of life, that as you eat and drink, you cr- this all creates it. And that's the beauty of it. And not only that beatitude, but every beatitude, like I said, then comes yours. You now want to be a son that's a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. So you're actually prepared to get in front of people who you love and say the word of God, not what they want to hear. And you take, you, if, if, you know, because it's flesh and spirit. And so actually the people living in flesh, like Cena said, can persecute you even if it's just in their mind and in words of their own, oh, what did you think of that? That was rubbish, wasn't it? What a lot of crap that was. Don't believe what she just said. You're now persecuting, but you're actually persecuting the Lord. You know? And so as that works through, so you actually become a son who actually puts yourself in hostile situations, like Jesus did, to love and to demonstrate a realm, even if they kill you, you stay. You become a peacemaker. So the United Nations go in to make peace, and some of them get killed trying to make peace. But we're already dead. So you can't kill dead sons who are alive in Christ because they're not looking for anything you've got, and you can't kill them. So, yeah, it defines every one of those, and the kingdom becomes yours. See, the kingdom is being built and established within And this is what Peter had no concept of because he had a kingdom mindset that was literally physically, which is the one that's coming. So he's out of time. His seasons are all messed up. This is the Jews. They think the kingdom of heaven on earth was going to be when Jesus Jesus first turned up. So they're expecting this literal Isaiah 2 reigning of a king on the earth physically. But what does he come as, a king or a servant? But he's a king... But actually, from this identity, he's going to be a servant king. But he's coming back as a royal king who's coming with a sword. And he will establish his kingdom in Jerusalem for a thousand years. So they had their time zones all mixed up, which answers Kirsten's question, you know. So their expectations were missed and wrong because they were in the wrong time zone. And so this whole kingdom thing is a spiritual kingdom within the church, you know. And we've... Well, that's even taught, you know. It's just like, my goodness. And so it's literally the formation of the king of that kingdom within the vessel called the body of Christ. And so we become his equal, his co-heir, mature, press on to maturity, get off milk and get onto the word of righteousness. Broken to pieces. Yeah. 
So, okay, so, so what, what that in Luke, what it's saying is Jesus is talking to the, the Pharisees. So the context is the Pharisees because they were the ones that the, the vineyard was given to. Okay? And so he then talks through and he says, you know, I sent, I sent a servant, you killed them, I sent you killed them. You guys are supposed to know who you are and you're supposed to be working this vineyard and you're not. So he says then the cornerstone. So those who, so he's actually talking to initially to the Pharisees. So he says, if you fall on the rock, you're broken to pieces. You don't want the rock to fall on you. Okay, so that's the whole thing. So unfortunately, non-Christians and a certain group of Israelites, the rock is going to fall on them. Their eternity is sealed, gone. They never fell on the rock and got broken to pieces, which creates humility because their spirit of pride was still operating in them, they rejected the Christ. It says everyone who falls, which is now everyone. Okay, so then it tra- transitions from the Pharisees to everyone who falls on the rock. Because let's be honest, the Pharisee is not a physical person. A Pharisee is a spirit of pride, and there's only two: pride or humility, flesh or spirit. We are all Pharisees. They are not people who wore funny clothes at the time. So the spirit of the flesh is in every one of us and it all needs to fall on the rock and be broken into pieces. God loves you in that state as his, but it can still exist, like I said. So he loved Peter and yet Peter had not yet fallen. So that's not talking about Peter then, but then the scripture came alive to Peter in his own journey. Does that make sense? So you don't join that and Peter, but the reality of what happened happened to Peter. And it's got to happen to us. Well, that's what creates the change. So can there be a conviction of it? Yes. You, he shows you. The thing is, you, 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 don't, you can't figure this out. He has to show you. And it's not something like, don't go digging. Just seek him. So go, God, I want to get to know you more. And if there are things, he will bring them to light, the obstacles, and then you just repent. He's the perfect father. So just think of him. It's hard if you haven't had a really good natural father, but if you had and your dad loved you and your mum and they encouraged you, it's just that. It's like I'm not going to beat my children up because they're getting stuff wrong. It's like, hey, guys, this is the better way. Now I'm going to talk to you about the consequences of your behaviour and I'm going to discipline you if you continue to do it, but that's not right. You know, I'm starting in life. Here's the promise. Here's the promise. Here's the promise. You're not a problem. Here's the promise. Here's the promise. Here's the, you're not a problem. But where's the body of Christ started? You're a problem. You're a problem. You're a problem. You're a problem. The problem is sin. The problem is sin. The problem is sin. We haven't started in the right place. So we're all sin conscious, not faith conscious. And so we're automatically looking down, not up. And he wants to free us from that, see? So are we done? I could stay here all night, man. I love this. <laughs> but any more question? This stuff is the most pivotal stuff. And that's why... I for me, I couldn't let this just go. Like it's, it's not something I can let go. This, what we're talking about, is life and death. This, is, this, this has to be laid hold of, you know. It's, it's, yeah, it, 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 you know, like, come follow me. 
There's nowhere to lay your head. There's no comforts. You can't bring your, you know, your tent with you in your sleeping bag and go glamping. Oh, we'll follow. But can we first go bury? No. No. Oh, that's harsh. No, it's not. So it's this. What's your first? And if your first isn't him, it, he needs to become it. So there's a turning. You'll know what your real first is. And it's just whether you'll be honest and open enough with him and someone else to go, it ain't him. And he goes, that's all good, I know that. You're not fooling me. You're not fooling anybody else. So how about you come here and learn? And I'll do a work. And I'll release you from you. And it's all life. Luke, can you pray, bro? Father, I thank you for what we've just heard and what we've been hearing. And I thank you that it has the absolute power to bring us into life when we come to that that place, Lord. We come to that place of brokenness. We come to the end of ourselves, Lord. We find the beginning of you and life in you. So, Father, we just thank you for who you are and what you're doing within us, within this community, Father. And just pray that it would just continue to a greater measure. In Jesus' name, amen.